Hello and welcome to CAD Speaker Series podcast. In this talk, CAD Student Ambassador Patrick Hanahan interviews Managing Director of Global Advisory Solutions at Acción, Victoria White. Victoria discusses how Acción and its partners are harnessing key digital trends to make quality financial services more accessible and cost-effective to those who have been excluded. Victoria, thanks for joining us today and sharing your time and experience, and welcome to CID. Thank you. Great to be here. So your talk today was titled Financial Inclusion and the Fintech Revolution. To provide some context for our listeners, could you tell us about your organization, Axion, and the work you do in this field? Sure. Uh, Axion is a global nonprofit, and we have been around for over 50 years now. Um, we are dedicated to really having an impact on financial inclusion, building a much more financially inclusive world. And we do that uh, working with partners, uh, both microfinance institutions and a whole range of different financial service providers, um, as well as now more and more with fintech companies. Um, and we invest in and support uh, those range of institutions to help them really deliver uh, solutions and products to, to really tackle the, the challenge of financial inclusion. Great. What are some of the world regions that you guys focus on? So we started off in Latin America and really up until um, 2000 or so, we're just working with partners in, in Latin America, but at that point realized that there obviously was a demand much beyond the Latin America world and expanded then into Africa and soon thereafter into to Asia as well. So we are truly global today with presence in those uh, three broad regions. Um, Axion itself also actually lends in the United States as well, okay. um, so also present in the U.S. Nice. And you're headquartered here in Boston, correct? Headquartered here in Boston um, with offices um, in the three regions as well as in DC. In this field, I think it evolves rapidly and new opportunities uh, and technologies come up um, that can provide kind of like quick wins in certain world regions or, or something like that. Are there, are there certain areas of the world where you guys have seen particular success uh, of late? No, great question. I think um, where we work uh, in India, we're seeing things really um, evolve quite rapidly. Um, in terms of the integration of just more digital approaches, digital tools into the financial inclusion space. And I think this has a lot to do with the government's commitment um, to financial inclusion and really being very supportive of building the right ecosystem infrastructure for supporting that. Um, so, for example, through their initiatives around really helping digitize um, ID with the Aadhaar Unique ID through their initiatives around um, eKYC processes to really streamline and make much more um, efficient the process of really confirming your identity um, through efforts to also think about uh, mobile payment options and how to really give options to institutions and ultimately customers um, that allow for real reductions in, in cost and really improving quality. Great. So in India, it sounds like the government is providing really critical support. Um, one of the next questions I was interested in asking is just the general role that host governments play in um, facilitating financial inclusion interventions, mm -hmm. either things that they do to assist or even potentially challenges that uh, mm -hmm. you run into because of host country. Yeah, I guess I see the government active in a couple of key areas. Number one is certainly kind of setting the rules of the game and the, the broader regulatory framework for financial service provision. 
Um, and so I think over the years, it's, you know, it, it's become clear of just kind of what does create a conducive environment for really being able to provide financial services to low-income communities in particular. And looking at frameworks that certainly encourage innovation, frameworks that don't uh, limit the, the kinds of um, clients that can be served because of insufficient uh, identification or insufficient collateral mm-hmm. or the, the variety of um, requirements that, that often do impinge on, on people's access to finance. Um, I think those become kind of important components of any regulatory framework. And so I think that piece of it of ensuring that that governments um, are thinking about regulations in the context of really ensuring access while at the same time mitigating risk, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, that is their, their key role. But I think also thinking about a framework um, that, that has the opportunity to really um, open access to the end user end user customer. So I think that's key. I think also certainly the broader infrastructure that governments can support in terms of um, supporting the development of credit bureaus um, so that customers can be able to really build credit histories that can then be used Mm -hmm. to to tap larger sources of funding um, and also that they can manage much better over indebtedness and be aware of which clients already have have debt. And then I think lastly the the enormous potential of the the GDP payments Mm -hmm. Um, that governments initiate in terms of the the payments for different social services and creating an infrastructure where those can be digitized and put into accounts for low-income communities so that they can actually tap immediately into a digital financial system uh, can be very impactful. Great. Thank you. As the number of refugees globally continues to rise, what are some new approaches or technologies being used to reach these difficult-to-reach populations? Yeah, I think we've seen some very interesting technology um, being applied to to that very pressing challenge. And I think particularly when I think about, I guess, the the two big constraints um, for refugees tends to be um, identification and proving uh, creditworthiness. And I think we're seeing some some interesting use of, of blockchain in particular for really helping refugees identify that economic identity in a way that is that is owned by them, controlled by them, not just in the hands of, of an institution, but one that can really tap their larger footprint to, to really validate who they are. So there are a number of startup companies that I know Axion has, has looked at that are, that are in that space um, that I think have some very interesting potential. I think on the, the credit worthiness aspect, I think that's tricky. If you have people who have fled with nothing other than the, the clothes on their back, they're not mm-hmm. able to provide the collateral, let alone the, the kind of history, if they're now in a different country, any kind of mm-hmm. history they've had of, of tapping uh, finance before. But I think some of the innovations around thinking about alternative credit worthiness of what other you know, digital footprints out there can be used, whether it's someone's social media, um, whether it's other... Um, ways that they've interacted that can be um, drawn on in in the larger digital footprint space, I think, are, are interesting. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing definitely innovations in that space of, of companies that are creating that linkage between whether it be social media profiles and creditworthiness or just starting to tap that kind of larger space um, in bringing about opportunities for people to access finance. Very cool. It's clear that you've done a lot of travel throughout your career um, to to many different countries and regions. And so I'm interested if you could tell us about one of your past projects or initiatives that you're most proud of. 
Yeah, I guess to return to India, I think when we first started uh, working in India, the, the landscape was one that was very much dominated by institutions that were only serving rural areas and only doing group lending and very focused on women. And so we saw a real gap in the market of serving those lower income communities and urban markets. So the, the women that did small bead work out of their homes or, even, mm -hmm. or other just small urban businesses that just also were not able to access finance. And so in the early days, teamed up with other entrepreneurs and, and looked at ways of solving that. And I think one of, to me, one of the exciting initiatives was an institution um, that we were involved with some early days called Swadhar. Um, and really, the promoters had the shared vision of, of how to provide financial services to low-income households and entrepreneurs in, in urban areas of India. And started off testing different products. Um, really, it was a, a new space in the India context. Um, fast forward today, Swadhar has gone through numerous transformations um, from initially NGO to a non-bank finance company and now to what's called a banking correspondent, um, oh. working very closely with um, RBL, one of the larger banks in India, um, and thereby being able to offer a, a wide array of services um, to still that, that primary target base of, of low-income communities in, in urban areas. They're serving over 300,000 clients today and offering a wide range of products to that group. That's awesome. Is, is Axion able to facilitate sort of your success stories, like a Swadhar maybe serving as like a mentor or kind of helping out other similar Indian organizations? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we've been able to also document kind of the lessons learned from our partnership with Swadhar, um, and that's been distributed. I think just more broadly, I do think we have seen over the last decade um, a lot of players coming into the, the urban space. Today, there's most of those larger rural players are all now all active in, in urban space as well. But I think that challenge of serving that what's called kind of the, the missing middle in India, the, the business mm -hmm. owner who's you know too big for the, the group loan programs but too small to access finance from, from banks, um, there's still an enormous gap there. And I think our, the work that we did with Swadhar to help define the individual loan product that mm -hmm. serves that segment um, is something that I think is, is very valuable for the whole industry. Great. Some of our listeners may be interested in pursuing a career in this field. Uh, what advice do you have for them? Are there specific skills or traits needed to succeed in this work? Yeah, I think what's exciting about financial inclusion today is that it really draws from all skill sets, um, and it needs all skill sets um, to succeed. I think it it really, perhaps, you know, its roots are in kind of the NGO movement, the microcredit movement, but it has really evolved over the last decades and bringing in digital approaches, bringing in more sophisticated approaches um, to data analytics, um, bringing in certainly a whole range of different ways of thinking about talent and building capacity among um, teams. Just some examples of, of kind of the range of different activities that therefore need such a range of different skill sets. Mm -hmm. So... I think, you know, I might probably number one recommendation would be um, to, to start networking now. Um, I think there's so much value in just talking to lots of different players in the space, um, that there's so many different players now active in the financial inclusion space, and so a lot of different entry points. Um, but the sooner you can kind of start creating that network for yourself, the better. Certainly taking advantage of, of internships and opportunities to mm -hmm. kind of be within institutions and get a feel for the dynamics within those institutions is, is so useful. And then I would really recommend um, 
you know, I guess in terms of, of coursework, thinking about both the, the harder skills and the softer skills. Um, I think on the, the harder skill side, you know, take the data, data analytics course. Take the, you know, the courses that are focused on um, econometrics. Take those courses that I think, you know, I think can now today be applied in so many different ways in, in the broader financial inclusion space. But likewise, on the soft skill side, I think also of, of how to, to think about, um, particularly for the kind of work that Axion does, how do you create change in institutions? So what are techniques for you know, change management, for mm-hmm. appreciating different cultural elements that, of course, need to be part of, of any um, advisory plan? Um, so I think kind of be sure to, to balance those two different types of skill sets as well. Great. Um, how does Axion, when you're going into a new environment or a new country, what, what approaches do you use to ensure that it's a collaborative effort and that you're sort of learning from the ways that the, the local groups conduct work in that specific country? Mm-hmm. Are there mm-hmm. sort of like you know, themes that you try and keep in mind? Yeah, I think, I mean, our, our whole operating model is one built on partnership. So we really, when we go into a new country, um, we're looking for promoters, local entrepreneurs that have already have, have an idea, have a passion for you know, the shared space of broader financial inclusion. So that, that initial aspect of, of looking for a promoter, a local group that, that knows the, their own context is critical to, to mm-hmm. the future success. And we, we typically will, if it's a relatively new institution, um, we're looking at both possibly investing as well as, you know, we believe very strongly in kind of the, the capital plus model. So not just bringing investment capital, but also bringing the range of, of value add services that we think can help. Um, and that is something that we do jointly with the, the local partner, with the promoters themselves, identifying where they see gaps, where we think we can fill gaps. Mm-hmm. And that from day one is very much of a, of a collaborative effort. And I think also once we do start to engage with a partner, they are then very much part of the larger Axion network. And so the learnings across our partners is also key. And doing exposure visits between partners, um, bringing together the CEOs of the different institutions to share their experiences is all a very important part of, of our work. Great. Well, Victoria, thanks again so much for joining us today, and best of luck for continued career success. Great. Thanks so much for having me. If you want to learn more about CID and our events, please visit cid.harvard.edu.